Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping, and the vision that was planted in my brain still remains within the sounds of silence. This song spoke to a generation and is still one of the most popular songs of all times, The Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel. And its meaning can be a little ambiguous, but its popularity is in the poetic relatability. Silence, like a cancer, grows. And we can palpably feel the silent raindrops fall. We've all been there in moments when you lie awake in bed, trying to sleep, but, but the tears burn as they trickle down your cheeks. Or maybe it's the anger and the rage that you feel because it seems like you're the only one and you feel misunderstood. And you're simply trying to do the right thing and yet here you are struggling alone in the sound of silence. All of us have been there and we, and we felt that. And maybe some of you are there this morning where you're struggling with silence. You're struggling with being alone. You're struggling with our emotions. Pastor Mike has been talking to us about how our emotions can drive us. And if we're not careful, all of us have divisions and dreams and they can turn in our heads and quickly turn into a nightmare when we let our emotions run wild. It's like Grand Theft Auto, except it's our emotions that are hijacking us and driving our lives all over the place and driving us crazy. Sometimes we need to step back and just remind ourselves, who's the boss? Who's the boss of my emotions? Who's the boss of what I am walking through? In recovery, we often talk about the need to halt, to slow down and to evaluate. Am I hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Those four things, halt. These, there's, there's a power there that we need to stop and observe what's going on, what's, what's welling up inside of me. But loneliness is one of those emotions and loneliness is a powerful feeling. It's said that life is too short and that's quite true, unless you are lonely. Loneliness can bring time to its knees, an absolute and utter standstill. That's a quote by Jonathan Hall, and I love it because I've been there and I've felt that. And, and maybe you've felt that too, where, where time seems to just stand still and you can hear the ticks on the clock and they feel like hours as you wait in the sounds of silence or in the midst of whatever you're going through. That is the power of loneliness. But the strange thing about loneliness is, is that there are also moments in our lives where you can feel alone in a crowd. You're surrounded by people and, and there's so much going on, but there you are in the midst of it all and you feel lonely. Loneliness has its power in the feeling of rejection. If I'm the only one left. Nobody can relate to me or nobody's been what I've been through and, and you don't understand and you've never walked in my shoes and some of those are, are true, but, but there's something deeper that's going on there and it's, it's a form of hopelessness that colors each and every situation. When the loneliness sinks in, it can be overwhelming. It's all part of the reason that God said, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for us as humankind to be alone. We were created 
for relationship and we were created for community. And so if you're struggling with some of that this morning, I believe that God has a word for us this morning where God wants to invite us to step back, to, to, to ask some questions and to look around. And so if you're struggling with this this morning, I, I invite you to, jo to join us, to, to dig in as we, as we hear a story of someone who struggled with these exact same things. They may have looked different and the particularities of the story may be different, but the emotions are the same. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to just open with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. But before we turn there, I want to give a little bit of background of what's going on. And this is the story of Elijah. And Elijah is a prophet of God who has boldly spoken the truth about God in a time where it was very unpopular to speak the truth. And there were pagan prophets, prophets of Baal, and they began to push back and they said, what you're saying isn't true and, God, and, and our God, Baal, is true. And, and they said, we dare you to prove it. And so Elijah and all the prophets of Baal gathered on a mountaintop to see whose God was the real one and true God once and for all. And there was this great kind of cosmic power battle. And it's an incredible story of God showing up against all odds in spectacular fashion that left no doubt. And it's in, it's in 1 Kings chapter 18. And if you have a chance, I invite you to go back and read it. It is a great story. It's, it's powerful truth that is conveyed there. But after that happens, Jezebel, the evil queen, is furious. When she finds out what happens, she puts a bounty on Elijah's head for all that he did. Even though Elijah was speaking on behalf of God, and even though Elijah was right, she was incensed. And so we pick up the story in chapter 19, verse 3. And it says, Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, and he sat down under it and prayed, that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over some hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and he laid down again. The angel of the Lord came to him a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. And he got up and he ate and he drank. And strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Oreb, the mountain of God. There he went into the cave and spent the night. And the Lord appeared to Elijah, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I am the only one left. And, and now they're trying to kill me too. I want to I pause right there. We'll come back to this in just a moment. But, but what do we see happening in this text? Elijah is struggling with his emotions. They have bossed him around and driven him into the desert. And it's this fear that's, that's just causing him to run. Remember Halt? He is struggling with all of these emotions. Hungry. He was famished from the journey, and so he ate, not just once, but twice. He was angry. Now they're trying to kill me, and I'm here in the desert, and I just want to die. You can feel it. 
lonely, and I'm the only one left. These words are full of complete and utter despair. Tired. It's re it repeatedly says that he slept. And you can hear the tired frustration in his voice and in his words. You see, these are moments that are, that are common to all of us. But it is here that we need to be careful about what we do next. You know those moments. You have been there. I've been there. Moments where something happened at work, someone made a comment, and I just, I just can't let it go. And it's, it's just nagging in the back of my mind all day. And it's just, it's just driving me nuts. And I, I want to defend myself. And I want to tell them off. And, but instead, I, I sit in the bathroom because I need a minute to calm down. But I'm angry. And I feel alone. Or it's moments when you've just had a fight with your spouse on your way to a function. And, and now you're, you're surrounded by all of these people. And you've, you feel frustrated. And you feel alone. And you just want to just wanna leave. Or, or maybe you're tired and, and all of the energy that it takes to get the kids ready to go and, and only to be late again. And you're asking the question, why me? Why do I seem to be the only one who struggles with this? And, and you feel alone. I bet Elijah didn't have to worry about jelly-faced toddlers. But although the, the, story, the details of the story are different, this is exactly where Elijah is. Elijah's emotions have hijacked him, and he can't even hold back in front of God. I think God actually appreciates the honesty. But you can tell that Elijah is not in a good place. And so how does God respond? The first thing I want us to see is, is God responds in grace. Truthfully, it's because he already knows where Elijah is. He knows what Elijah is feeling and what he is struggling with. And so the first thing God does is give him food and rest. And then he does it a second time. My man was tired. He was exhausted, like double food, double nap, tired, like Thanksgiving, just exhausted, soul, weary, tired, just, just from everything that he has been going through. When I was young, one of my youth leader's favorite quotes at a youth retreat was, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is sleep. It was his way of reminding us that teens rarely make good decisions after midnight. But I think that is true of all of us, right? Our bodies keep the score. And God was, was helping to take care of Elijah even when Elijah wasn't taking care of himself. That's grace. That's God caring for us. And then God comes to him. After some time of silence, God, God starts with a question. And he asks, what are you doing here, Elijah? And we don't know from the text the exact tone of the voice that God used. But I like to think that God was, was inviting Elijah to a conversation. And it was God just sitting there with a gentle reminder that God was present. You see, sometimes we need to step back and reflect of, how did I get here? What am I doing here? What am I struggling with? Why am I feeling alone? What, what contributed to all of these emotions that have built up to the point where I'm just, man, the, the, tettle, the, the, the lid of the teapot is just like falling off and I'm just overflowing with emotions and, and how did I get here? But ultimately, God is building towards something in this passage. And we will see that in just a minute. But there's a truth in the question and it's this. The truth is, 
that we aren't comfortable being alone. And, and then when we aren't comfortable being alone, we aren't gonna, we're gonna struggle with being around other people as well. Because we will be asking other people to fill the void in us that they were never meant to fill. Only God can fill that. And so after the question, the next thing that God does with him is that when we are lonely, is God reminds us that he is present. And so we're gonna to turn to verses 11 and 13 and we're gonna pick up the story there. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a gentle whisper. I wanna pause right there. Earthquakes, wind, and fire. Either God was from California or he really liked 70s bands. Okay, bad joke, bad joke. Truth is that sometimes we expect God to show up in flashy ways. Maybe ways that he showed up in the past or, or ways that make it obvious beyond the shadow of a doubt. But instead, instead God shows up in a still, small voice. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Recently, I was reminded by my spiritual director that, that the word know here is the Hebrew word for know, and, and it isn't just head knowledge. No, it is a, 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 a knowledge that consumes us. Head, heart, and experiences that we know that we know that we know. Be still and know that I am God. It is here that God speaks. Why are you here? It's in the midst of this moment that God is asking this question. And, and then he asks another thing. He says, why are you here? And then he challenges him to go back the way that you came. And what he's really saying is, he's saying, stop running. Our emotions are running us ragged and leaving us alone in the desert. God wanted to remind Elijah that he is here and that he is with him and that he has always been with him. And he wants to remind you and me today the same exact thing. We are not alone, for he will never leave us nor forsake us. God is connecting us to himself, and he's transforming our loneliness into a solitude that restores our soul. And it's a deep work. But we have to stop running, and we have to get honest and ask questions and listen to that still, small voice. And then finally in the passage, God connects Elijah to community. We saw in one of the verses where Elijah says, and I am the only one left. But in verse 18, God says, I have preserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal. This is God speaking and he's saying that there is a remnant of people that God is still using. You see, God is still at work all around us. God isn't getting in his face and yelling here. He's just reminding him that he is not alone and that he isn't seeing the situation clearly, that his emotions have clouded all of his emotion, or all that's going on in his life and that he's not seeing the situation clearly. 
You see, God is up to something. And if, if we just take our eyes off the world long enough, you can see that God is at work. There is a community of believers that are faithfully following God. And so my challenge to us today is to go and to join what God is up to all around him, or all around us. God is at work among his people. And so, so where are you struggling today? Where am I struggling today? What are the things that are weighing you down? The places where you feel most alone, most overwhelmed, most depressed, most, I just don't know where to go from here. And where are, the experiencing, or where are you experiencing stress in your life where you just wish that you had a friend or someone to talk to? Someone who could help you make the right decision. Someone who could help walk you through loss. Not someone with all of the answers, but someone to just sit and listen. Someone to fight for you. Someone to stand up for justice where, where you have been wronged or judged. And, and I know that I know that especially during the pandemic, we all struggled with loneliness. And that this loneliness led us to be even more polarized as a nation. You see, the loneliness didn't lead us towards health. The frustrations of the world began to, to, to get to us. And they began to get to our heads and divide us from our friends and from our families. And, and I felt it. I experienced it. And I know that you did too. Because many of you talked about it. And the loneliness led us to loss and to grief that many of us still feel. And this is the story of Elijah. And God wants to do something in us to change us just like he did with Elijah. Now recently, I've been thinking about oranges. And I, I want to do a little bit of a science experiment this morning. Because I learned something about oranges that I didn't know. Did you know that oranges float? And when you put them in water, they, they like, I didn't know that. That was so cool. And I, I guess I never really thought about it. But the crazy thing is that when we peel an orange and we begin to peel back the layers and then we take it and we put it in the water, something happens. It sinks. Crazy, right? How does that work? I just took weight off of it. This one is lighter than this one, and yet it sinks? You know, as I thought about it, and I began to ask God about this, I realized, you know, there's water all around both of them, but it's not what's on the outside. It's what gets inside of us. Once the water gets inside of the orange, that's what weighs it down, and it sinks. The Bible reminds us that we are to be in the world, but not of the world. But it's when the world gets inside of us that we begin to sink. And so often when we are hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, that's when Satan's lies begin to infect our hearts and our minds and peel back the layers of our skin. And that's when the pain begins to seep in and we begin to sink into loneliness. You see, the skin is meant to protect us. It is the armor of God that shields us. It's our community that, that, that has our back. And so if we allow God to fill you once again, to put you back into community and to begin to protect you, that's when we'll begin to float again. And then everything can change from the inside out. 
And so I want to encourage all of us to allow God to fill us and to begin to connect us, not only to our own heart, but to our community and to his community as well. The church, we are made for community. And you may feel alone, but just like this passage says, God has preserved a remnant of people and he has called us to be his hands and his feet in our world. And he wants you to feel connected to it and and, and to feel encouraged and protected. The most basic and simple definition of church is where two or three are gathered together in God's name and for his purposes. There he is in the midst of us. That could be right here this morning as we gather. Or it could be um, a life group or a Bible study or around the kitchen table, or with some Christians at work. It's where we join together and encourage and lift each other up. You see, God is the only one who can transform and fill us from the inside out. It is only God who can transform our loneliness into sacred solitude, where we get to be alone with God. Jesus often went off alone to pray and to be restored. You see, the difference between loneliness and solitude is what's getting inside of us. What is filling you when you are alone? Is it the world and its thoughts that are pressing in, or are we beginning to fill ourselves with God during those times? Is it the negative emotions that are driving us crazy and bossing us around, or are we slowly being filled with God and his words that lead us towards health. And so first, my my first thought for us this morning is, is it's only God who can transform loneliness into sacred solitude. And second, it is only God who can transform a crowd into community. You see, it's in these moments where our hearts begin to burn within us, when we're surrounded by other Christians who uplift us. But we also know that there are crowds They're in scripture and they're also all around us that can drag us down. But it's Christian community that lifts us up, where we recognize that God is doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. It's in those moments that we are transformed. And so as I close today, I wanna challenge you with this. This week, as you seek to transform your life from the inside out, I want to challenge you to memorize a verse of scripture. It's Deuteronomy 31.8, and it says this, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You see, words have power, and there are two reasons that we memorize them. The first is that we can call them to remembrance whenever we need them, that we are not alone, that we just remember that. But the second reason that we memorize scripture is because those words begin to shape us. The words begin to to lay neurological pathways in our minds. They're road signs that point us this way when we get lost. They show us the way to truth and they begin to form and shape us. It's what I talked about earlier, that we know that we know that we know we are not alone and that God is with us. And so I challenge you to memorize that this week. And and, and that if God is with us, that we are never truly alone. 
Even in the darkest moments, when, when like Elijah, you, you just want to die or you wish things were different and you just want to crawl up under a tree and, and sleep it all away, even then, God in his grace reminds us that you are not alone. Second, I want to challenge you to find a place of belonging. If you are visiting with us this morning, I want to say a special welcome. And, and if you don't have a church home, I hope that you would find this to be a place of welcome here. But if you don't have a church home, or if you do have a church home, find a way that you can get involved there. I think it's vital for each and every one of us, no matter where we are, to find a place, a community that has our back, that walks with us, that encourages us. And so join a life group today or get involved in a Bible study, a place where you can plug in and and have a friend that you can text throughout the week, or maybe it's a place of service. I know our church is always looking for people for the AV team, or maybe it's the trustees, or, or maybe your place is Monday night recovery. Maybe it's the worship team, or the vets group, or, or it's the harbor, or it's a volunteer in the nursery, or SG Kids, there's lots of places. And, and if one of those doesn't fit, then create one. But, but find Christians to be with to walk with, who encourage you and lift you up, where you get to be God's hands and feet to each other. We all need this. So often we feel alone, and I don't want to blame anyone or make you feel worse, but I I want to encourage us that God preserved 7,000 in Elijah's day, and he is preserving and preparing a group of people for us to connect with, to lead us to health and to healing because each one of us was made for community. So as we close, let's pray and invite God to encourage us this week, to surrender our lives and say, God, I want to dig into your word. I want to memorize that verse. And I also want to, I want to step out and I want to find a place of community. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for your words that remind us that that we're not the only ones who have ever struggled with feeling alone, with feeling hurt, angry, lonely, or tired, and hungry, and just struggling with life. And, And God, I pray that you would encourage us right here this week, whatever we're struggling with, God, remind us that we're not alone and that you walk with us. And that God, encourage us to to find community. Or God, if we've tried and, and we just can't seem to find it, God, maybe prompt someone to reach out to us because each and every one of us need community. We were made for relationship. And so, Lord God, I pray that you begin to do that deep work inside of us, that you begin to protect us like that orange, that you put that protection around us through your word, through the armor of God, and through community, that you protect us and lift us up and help us to float in times where we're tempted to to sink and drown under our own emotions. God, do in us that which only you can do this morning. We trust you. We believe in you. Thank you for meeting us today, and thank you for encouraging us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here with us this week. I pray that this message challenged us, challenged you, and I invite you to come back next week while Pastor Mike continues our series on Who's the Boss.